Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hot Mike with Hunted Withrow is underway. The Friday edition is here. We have made it. So have you. And our goal to get you to the weekend, the college football and NFL weekend. We'll preview all of it coming up throughout the show. You can join us on the Outkick Network, including on YouTube. You simply type in Outkick, hit subscribe. Chat is in the chat. And we're ready to go from 6 in the Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Dan Dockett joins us, host of Don't At Me here on Outkick. He'll jump in in about 20 minutes from right now. Michael Fabiano joins us each and every Friday with the latest and, and best advice on who to start, who to sit uh, in fantasy football. He's the best uh, at, at that. So is Kelly in Vegas. She's on a roll. And she joins us from uh, the podcast Bet On It. She jumps in in hour number three. Plus, Chad Withrow brings his top ten games of the college football weekend. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, we seek the best on this show. Every week, we seek the best guest. we yes. got some of the best people in their industries coming up on the show today. Well said. And I'm going to give you the ten best games of the college football weekend. Although Six ranked games. But wait, is it six or eight? It's six. six the the yeah. record is seven on a weekend. Uh, yeah, I have... I'm kind of counting now to make sure that I have all the one. Yeah, I, they're all in there for me. <laughs> well, um, I was about to say. Yeah. No, uh, there's there's two. We'll talk about it later. Okay. There's two at the very end that I, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on. It's oh, a God. weird week. There's great games. No. But Fantastic there, there are weeks where I have three or four where it's very hard to pick games seven through 14, yeah. let's say, yeah. to get to a 10. This week was really good through eight and then nine and 10. I'm thinking you're, you're going to hear it. I'll give you an example, Hutton. One of the games that's on the list will be featured on the big 12 network, which is ESPN plus digital only plus plus that's in the, the top the plus. Two. It's not on television. It's on, it's on <laughs> streaming only. So, Hey, I had a Peacock game hey, last week too. So you never know where we're going to uh, go. Colin Warner over here decked out in all Irish gear. Uh, and he's got the, the primetime matchup to sit around and wait on. Well, I had a premonition all week, not about Collins Irish, but about another game that I told you about on Monday, another big game this week that is in my top 10. And I came to the studio today and I, I looked at Davey and I said, can I change my oh. pick? Because I have had a complete change of heart on okay. one huge game, hint, it's in the SEC yep. this week, than what I thought to start the week. I can't wait to hear about my, this. My heart and my mind have changed over the course of the week. But then I talked to Davey and realized, oh, I gave you a different game anyways. <laughs> That's my other pick, so don't worry about it. I'll just go with that one. Will we see NFL games uh, played in Jacksonville in the years to come? That's where we start with our Scorched Earth headlines today on this Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, so uh, Jaguar CEO Mark Lamping was speaking at a sports tech convention uh, and, and, or conference in St. Louis and uh, sent the city of Jacksonville and taxpayers a clear message. Pony up on stadium renovations of a billion dollars 
or peace out. Uh, the, there was a poll conducted by the University of North Florida that showed roughly a third of supporting uh, spending up to $500 million, a third of the residents spending up to $500 million for uh, th this project that the Jaguars want. 47% said no to spending a billion, even if it means losing the team. And roughly 46% said the city should spend uh, the, the $1 billion if the alternative to renovation is relocation. So this back and forth now ends up being, Chad, uh, comments made public uh, by the Jaguars. Uh, the quote from their CEO, Mark Lampion, if there's a referendum, a ballot question should be, do you want to keep the NFL in Jacksonville? One thing we can't do, recognizing that Jacksonville is not going to become uh, the, the top economy in the NFL, is that we can't put the team, our fans and our community, in a position where we come up with a stadium solution that doesn't put us on a path to being able to compete with the average NFL team. I'm going to get back to that. Look, if Jacksonville loses an NFL team, they're never going to get another one. And if the Jaguars have to relocate from Jacksonville, those of us that went down there would have failed, okay? And none of us want to face that. That from Mark Lamping, the Jacksonville CEO. Uh, this is them telling the residents in the, in the city, Jacksonville isn't Jacksonville without the NFL and without the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is the positioning um, as a, a, a must-have for the, for the city instead of a money grab. And it is a money grab. But in the NFL, the fans pay up and the owners make the profits. They, they end up raking in the revenue. And by and large, that's how the stadium reconstructions and new stadiums built go down. Look here in Nashville with the Titans, Buffalo, uh, and there are plenty other examples uh, but throughout the NFL. And then the, you have the rare case where the owner decides he'll do it on his own like Jerry Jones. Well, and it's not just the, um, the fans that pay up in this situation. Well, it's everyone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the entire city of Jacksonville, many of which don't care at all about the Jags or the NFL or will ever step foot in that new stadium to go to a game. So I, I understand the, the battle that goes on civically within these cities when you're talking about using taxpayer money to fund a Taj Mahal of a stadium that the only people who will truly profit from it is the NFL owner. Yeah, the city will have economic impact. Businesses around the area will make money. All of that is true. But if you're someone that doesn't care about the Jags not going to games, I can totally understand where you'd be fed up with just feeding more billionaires and giving them more money and giving them a better stadium. And for the Jags to come in and demand $1 billion in public money or they're leaving, that would not sit well with me if I, if I live in Jacksonville. It's also, it. it's also well within their right. I, I didn't sit well with me in Nashville either. I'm glad they did it because yeah. I'm a sports fan. But if I'm Susie Q in East Nashville or South Jacksonville or living in Jacksonville Beach and I'm never going to go to a game and they want to tax me – or tax anything going on in the city, I can understand people being upset with it. Um, that being said, if the Jacksonville Jaguars don't play in Jacksonville, I don't see how that's a loss to anyone else in the NFL other than the city of Jacksonville.
Who cares? It's a massive loss to Jacksonville, having been there. We were there. To Jacksonville. Yeah. But, and, but that's my and, point. And if the telling, city of Jacksonville decides we don't want to pay for a stadium, yeah. then the owners have the right to move. And here's my point. It's not a destination If the Bills leave trip. Buffalo, yeah. that's a big scar on the NFL because that is a loyal fan base yeah. and an area that's been with it and has diehard fans. When I think diehard fans, I don't think teams that are teal. Typically, it's not Jacksonville. If we're going to well, have an extraction of a team from the league, it's probably the city of Jacksonville. Let's be completely honest here. If we're looking at the lowest end cities, the worst cities in the NFL, and the worst fan bases, the Jacksonville Jags are right there at the top of that list. So I say this to say, be careful what you wish for, because the only people losing out here is the city of Jacksonville, where you had an NFL team which is a golden ticket, and you're going to lose it if you don't have this public funding coming in, which the rest of the league won't care. Plenty of other markets want an NFL team, and they'll be happy to have it, and I think the rest of the league would probably be happier with somewhere else other than Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, Shad Khan is already playing home games in London, you know, and he's been doing that for years. He's also meant a lot to the downtown area. It is a ghost town in it Jacksonville uh, where there used to be restaurants, bars, but they're not even open even whenever the world's largest cocktail party is going on for Georgia and Florida at yeah. that stadium. Uh, Shad Khan, meanwhile, built Daly's Place with the city helping with that, and he's looking for more renovations and upgrades. But here's where I think the disconnect is about, well, they, we can't compete with the, the average NFL team. The smallest markets in the NFL right now are the best teams. Look at Buffalo and Kansas City. Yep. Right here in Nashville is another example. Back-to-back -back seasons of 12 wins. Cincinnati, also among the smallest markets in the NFL. You can't say that the small markets can't compete. All you have to do is draft well, and the system is set up for you to win. The system is set up for you to be average. They want teams to be your 9- or 8-win team and have competition down to the wire for the postseason. And it's not the stadium's issue that the team has bottomed out back-to-back -back years and has had the top picks in the draft on an annual basis. Uh, do better in the front office first before you start pointing to the stadium. And, I mean, it, I get it. They, they tore, tore down the Georgia Dome, uh, what, 25 years in? Yeah. And put up the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But, I mean, they, Jacksonville can no longer just point to the pool up in the end zone and say, this is the coolest thing ever. They can't point to the, the, the massive screens and say, we've got the biggest screens in the NFL. They once did. And then LA and Vegas and Minnesota built new stadiums. And, and now it's you know, tarps. They're tarping off areas of the stadium. I, I, I'm with you, Hutton. I get so tired. It's such a tired and lame excuse of, a, as a small market, we must do this and this must happen. The smallest market in the NFL is Green Bay. They're doing sure. fine. They've done fine historically. It's about being a smart organization, as Hutton said, drafting properly, making good decisions. And if you really want someone in free agency, 99% of the time that free agent goes to the place that's offering the most money. So if you want someone bad enough, then outbid the, the next contestant for yeah. that player, and you're likely to get them. So I, I don't buy that. I, I also think if I'm, if I'm a billionaire – 
And I'm looking around. Let's not just talk about the U.S., maybe the world, maybe also London, mm-hmm. right, as, as a possibility. If I'm looking around the U.S. and thinking, where do I want to put my enterprise and my NFL team? I, I am expecting Jacksonville to bend over backwards because – well, they should be thrilled to have an NFL team. What they, what because sh- there are plenty of other places that would be more profitable. Yeah, and, and what they'll do if they want to stay there. Now, keep in mind, Stan Kroenke wanted out of St. Louis. Um, it's true. And, and, and he made it where he, he wasn't going to cooperate with the local city officials when they wanted to. Uh, if Shad Khan wants to stay, he needs to make sure this doesn't go to a vote and just work with the elected officials to just make this uh, a workable deal instead of going into a vote for a referendum because it's going to fail miserably, yep. just like it did in San Diego. And, I mean, St. Louis didn't even have a shot. And maybe in the end he doesn't want Jacksonville to have a shot. Maybe not. And this maybe be, he wants to go the Stan Kroenke route, and this is just the way to prep everyone for the inevitable yeah. of him leaving town and saying, hey, they're not working with me on this. I'm going to have to bolt. And you get that word out there, and then when it happens, people can blame the city for it happening. He may not just—he may not want to be there. May not want to keep the team in Jacksonville. Well, he's—he's he's done a lot of work around the downtown area, though. That kind of gives you an idea that he would like half the season there at least, and that's basically what they're doing right now. Chad, uh, I remember not- doing that event uh, when we were touring with Outkick on college football, and we did an event on Friday night with, oh, with yeah, Clay. Yeah, it was like the top of a building downtown. Yeah. And we had a, you a, a said, Outkick VIP event. Yeah, you said Ghost Town, but I just it remember is. being down there, like parking in the parking garage, and I think we were the only vehicle in the parking garage. Yep. When we parked, it's a very odd thing. It was a Friday night before the cocktail party, mm-hmm. and I mean, you could have just—it was like one of those commercials where people are driving through a cityscape for a car commercial, and there's no one else on the road because they're doing it, you know, at 5 a.m. or whatever. That's what it was like at 6 p.m. on a Friday night before the Florida-Georgia game in downtown it's Jacksonville. It's like that for a home it's game. It's not an ideal place. Jacks. And uh, with all due respect to people from North Florida, you may love it. If I'm a business person, a billionaire, and I'm looking around the country and maybe even to London and thinking, where do I want my NFL team? Uh, Jacksonville, Florida is dead last on the list of possibilities. Uh, they, have, they hosted one Super Bowl, and there's a reason they haven't been back. Yeah, they had to bring it, it, up cruise ships. It was the worst Super Bowl to host house city. people. Yeah. Awful. Uh, Chad, the Niners, speaking of Super Bowls. You didn't play in that Super Bowl, though? Trying to get back there. Donovan McNabb, our guest yesterday. Oh, that's right, yeah. He was a quarterback for the Eagles in that game uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, the Niners handled the Giants uh, last night, 30-12. to 12. I don't think that's a big surprise, but the 49ers' last loss in the regular season was week seven of last year. They've won 13 straight regular season games, and they are stacked. Debo Samuel, six passes, 130 yards. Uh, Ayuk is out. Uh, but they've got Christian McCaffrey, who's balling out. Uh, Brock Purdy continues to deal 310 yards, two touchdowns. 8-0 and now as the uh, starter uh, for the regular season in, in San Fran. And, and meanwhile, from the New York perspective, Chad, this is a glaring example of the loss of Saquon Barkley and how detrimental it is when he's not in the lineup. They have no playmakers uh, right now, that's really stepping up. Darren Waller had two or three catches for like 20 yards last night. It's a, gr- a stout defense by San Fran, but it's it is bleak right now from the from the Giants' perspective. They came from behind in the second half, and credit to them, they did it. 
with 31 points against Arizona, and they lose Saquon Barkley and, and, and end up going rough. to San Fran and yeah, rough. throttled. Hey, are the Rams the second-best team in football right now, given that they kicked a field goal to cover the spread against the 49ers? That looks like an amazing outcome at this point. The <laughs> Niners just steamrolling people. I look at that Rams performance yeah. with McVay kicking the field goal last second to cover, and I'm thinking, man, we might look back on that in mid-January and say th- this was the sign that we needed that the Rams were back, and they're back in the Super Bowl hunt with this close one-touchdown loss <laughs> to the 49ers. This 49ers team is just wrecking people yeah. right now. It is impressive to watch. And the Giants can't tackle. They could not tackle McCaffrey, yeah. Kittle, uh, or Debo. Well, now the fun thing in the NFC, at least for me, is uh, and, and obviously the, the Eagles there as well, but can the Cowboys one-up the 49ers? Because they're both just house, just housing teams at this point. And San Fran has knocked Dallas out each of the last yeah. two years in the divisional round of the playoffs. Fun rivalry in the hey. 90s and 80s and 90s. Fun rivalry again between those two. Also fun is Captain Andrew Luck on social media. And Andrew Luck last night dressed as the captain from the Civil War. We'll get to that later. Dan Dockage is next on Hot Mike. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Got the fall flavors, the autumn, the autumn jars it's are starting here. Starting to Jack. feel a little bit more like fall. It is. In our surroundings also, which is nice. Let's welcome in Dan Dockich. The great Dan Dockich uh, joins us. He's ready. Don't add him. No, we don't. Don't add him. Don't add me with uh, Dan Dockich mornings no. here on the Outkick Network. Dan, what's up, man? Nothing, getting ready to go play a little golf, have a couple beers, and a nice weekend. A lot of betting this weekend, a lot of uh, good games, and let's do it. Let's go. So I'm, I'm seeing this story with the Oakland A's pop up right now. Uh, I, I, we can all react to this in real time. The Oakland A's gave M- Miguel Cabrera a $90 bottle of wine as a retirement gift. Uh, this is from uh, Jimmy Trainum. Not only are the A's cheap, but Miguel Cabrera is a recovering alcoholic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. How about yeah, that? You can't, Someone you did can't do make their research. That, you, you can't make that stuff up. And it's a nice bottle two, of Camus, by the way. There two headlines. As, and Camus is a nice wine. It's it is. It's a very nice wine. There are two headlines that I saw. That was one, and Cabrera being a – being a recovered alcoholic was incredible to me. And then I saw where Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade said, well, I almost left Gabriella, U- Gabriella Union when I, after I had to tell her I had a baby with another woman. I'm like, who makes these headlines? Like, you're going to tell the woman yeah. that you're leaving when you got to tell her you had a baby? I would think the woman would tell you she's leaving yes. when you come into the room and say, hey, look, I got a baby with another woman. What a headline. 
I'm seeing headlines right now, Dan, speculating mainly from Michigan State fans about Urban Meyer getting back into coaching huh. at Michigan yeah. State with the situation there. Uh, any chance of that happening? Zero, zip, zilch, nada, not a chance in holy hell. <laughs> Urban is a smart guy. Michigan State is a dirtbag school with dirtbags all over the place. Horrible fan base, ridiculous people. You can't get into Michigan. You go to Michigan State. No, God, no. Uh, I would say that if Urban were going to get back into coaching, it would have been maybe Penn State. Nah, I'm trying to think that the timing on all this. I know this. I know he was very interested years ago when UCLA came. Hmm. Said to me, hey, man, you got to see this package they sent me. And it was like, holy cow, they were they were offering a lot of different stuff. But no chance does he, he – he, no, God, no, God, no, 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 no. That's the worst school in the year. Just look at all the people and the idiot things that come out of that place. No, he's not going there. No. Yeah, and, and, and given that and their, their recent history, which clearly has not been any good – Dan, does it feel like they use this issue that Mel Tucker was having uh, with Brenda Tracy as a way to get out of $95 million in a contract and that if he was winning, they probably would have defended their coach in this and at least stuck by him for a little bit? There's two ways of looking at this. Clay looks at it like a lawyer, and he's probably right. Look. This is on your own time. This is consensual phone sex. There's got to be something more here. The lady didn't hang up. I look at it a little bit from the coaching perspective. You know you never crap where you eat. You just know this. And when you bring somebody to your team and introduce them to your team, have them speak to your team, make them an honorary captain of your team, and pay them, that is a ticklish issue. That becomes something where you go, hey, wait a second here. Uh, you're kind of crapping where you eat. And coaches understand that when they do that, like Mel Tucker knew that he was crossing a line here. Nobody can tell me he did it. Nobody can tell me that Mel Tucker just got infatuated with this woman and didn't understand the implications relative to the university. Because every coach, I knew this when I was a graduate assistant, for crying out loud. So, I, yes, I mean, I think it's $79 million that they owe him. I certainly can see that they made a mistake or they feel they made a mistake, you know, off of the one year with Kenneth Walker Jr. doing a great job, almost winning the Heisman, and it have not been good since. And the other thing is this. Like, I talk to people all the time in college football, and Mel Tucker was a known idiot. Like, I, I, I'm just telling you, like, when they hired him, uh, I heard two things. One, Colorado was kind of happy, and two, people went, whoa. Why would you do that? And then you give them a big deal. Look, I, I don't know, but I know this. I know that as a coach, once you bring somebody into your team and you're going to have them speak, and on top of it, you're going to pay them, and then you're going to bring them back and make them an honorary captain, that's crapping where you eat, man, and you don't want to do that, and you've been taught not to do that. Dan, the, the Colts, they've ruled out Anthony Richardson Ooh. with uh, a concussion. And he's not going to play this week against Baltimore. Minshew mania uh, is officially in effect uh, in, in, in Indy. Uh, your thoughts on, look, I, I, I think Richardson has looked fine, but he's, le he's left yeah. the first two games uh, due to injury or concussion. And Gardner Minshew is there for a reason. Uh, what's the vibe there? Yeah, that's exactly right. Let Gardner Minshew do what Gardner Minshew was brought in to do. You know I'm always critical of Chris Ballard. I have been. 
But when he brought in Gardner Minshew, I thought, you know what, it's pretty smart. The two worked out together, Richardson and Minshew in Florida with the same trainer, so they knew each other. It was a comfortable relationship. But Minshew can go for a couple of games. I think we've seen that. I mean, here in Indianapolis, we've seen Gardner Minshew beat the Colts a number of times when he was at Jacksonville, so maybe we overvalue him. But he was brought in here to do exactly what he's doing, start a game or two, do good, handle the ball, don't turn it over, you know, all that kind of game manager stuff. Yeah. And he seems like, and you guys can talk about this because you saw him for years too, he seems like an unafraid guy. Like he doesn't seem like any moment is going to be too big. He almost seems like the bigger the uh, adversity, the more he kind of likes it and steps into it. So I, I, I hate that Richardson has – Two games in, third game, and now he's not able to play. You know, that did not happen with Andrew Luck for his first four seasons. The only time he got hurt was out of the pocket. First four seasons, he played in every single game. People talk about him being a running quarterback in a bad line. Richardson's going to have to learn to throw the ball. He's going to have to use his arm more than his legs, or this is not going to slow down. But, yeah, Minshew, people are kind of excited, to tell you the truth. They want to see what the kid or the guy can do. And they're one of the games uh, in Baltimore that – could be and probably will be affected uh, by that tropical cyclone that's going through. Uh, so they could use Jonathan Taylor in this game. They, they couldn't because he's on PUP. But the, the video that surfaced last week, Dan, um, where he's working out of the team facility, I know the fans were, were excited that it seems like things are at least better than what they were. Not Maybe they're still not good, but better than what they were. Is the assumption that he's going to play in Indy this year or are they trading Boy. him because – Immediately when Chubb went down, I thought about Jonathan Taylor in Cleveland. Yeah, I think everybody did. Uh, my assumption, people are telling me that Jimmy Ursay and his daughters, yeah, we'll trade you, but we're going to have to get somebody really, really good, particularly a wide receiver. You saw mm. the names that were thrown out yeah. that the Colts were trying. I, I think this, I, I think if Jimmy Ursay can't get big-time, big-time value, he doesn't want to trade him. Everybody that I know that knows Ursay told me he does not want to trade this kid. He wants this kid to be one of those, you know, horseshoe guys, Colts for life kind of guys. Um, you know, silence is better. Silence is worse. There hasn't been a lot said. You know, it hasn't been any drama. It's he's on pup. The assumption is he gets off pup. He's going to play. That's kind of the assumption. I don't think anybody knows for sure unless, you know, and you know how you guys know how this goes. You can be silent. And then all of a sudden, two minutes from right now, it blows up, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden, everything you said. But the, the assumption is right now that Ursay does not want to trade him unless he can get Stephon Diggs or somebody. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. Sure. Uh, Christian Watson. You know, those are the names. Uh, and he's not going to get that. But Ursay wants to keep this guy as a cult for life, according to the people that I talk to. So, Dan, I feel like Dave Portnoy, Barstool founder, kind of lived out everyone's fantasy <laughs> if they've ever had a hit piece written about them with someone where you're recording the conversation with the person and you've just got them dead to rights and you're reading back an email that was passed along to you where they're claiming that the email wasn't sent and they're having to backtrack the whole time. What, what do you make of this story where Portnoy is recording the call with the Washington Post journalist with a capital J supposedly uh, about a hit piece they were working on on Portnoy over a pizza fest over a pizza well, fest yeah I thought it was interesting she started lying Portnoy then read the the email <laughs> verbatim her email, was reading it back yeah verbatim and then of course she changed 
And then she kept going back to the after he read the email. Well, I told you, yes, this is what we do. Uh, you know, it's really sad, and, and I'm not going to lie. I've had a couple hit pieces uh, done on me, and it's the same thing. We couldn't reach Dan for comment because they never tried to, that kind of thing. Uh, it's just sad the way the world works. You know, you, you can always write something negative, but I always say, and Portnoy was saying this, and I thought it was interesting, you can always write something positive. You know, I mean, if you really want to, it just depends. Portnoy is a lightning rod, but I love what he did. You're right. It's like a dream of everyone. And you know what? Uh, the young lady was totally ill-prepared. She's like a food writer, you know, that stepped out of her depth. A veteran writer, an investigative writer, would have said, hey, Portnoy, I don't give a damn what you think. This is what I'm doing. Kiss my backside, you know. But the food writer didn't know how to handle it, right? So Portnoy, I thought, handled it very well. I don't think it surprised you. I don't think it surprised anybody that 10 o'clock the next day, that particular conversation, that interview didn't happen. They wanted to move it back. Everybody knew it. And it's sad. And her ex explanation was, well, we throw out negative to get reaction. No, uh-uh. What's the old thing? You can catch more flies with honey. Throw out something positive and maybe people will respond to you. That was total crap. She was just making things up and she looked like a complete idiot. But knowing the Washington Post and the far left media, she'll get a raise in a corner office. Clay also recorded an interview on a feature they did with him. Remember this? And then they misquoted him or left parts of yeah. his answers out, and he had well, to Well, that's go always back. Clay's demand. I said, I'll, I'll do an interview with you if you allow me to record the interview. Yeah, or email. It's one of the yeah, or or emails back email. and forth. I yeah. do that, too. Dan? I do that, too. I, I absolutely do that. I, I do that. Now I don't trust anybody. Uh, and if anybody asks, I say, yeah, but know that I'm recording it. And, uh, you know, sometimes they go, well, why would you do that? I, my answer is very simple, because I don't trust you. Well, because they're recording <laughs> I mean, it, too. You know. They're recording it, too. Right. No question about it. A absolutely. So, you know what? What's good for the goose? All that kind of stuff. But you're absolutely right. Dan, uh, Saudi's uh, crown prince says he's, his country and sports washing, it's going to continue because they're making a profit. He's, he's looking for a 1% increase uh, in their, their fund. Live golf, tennis, WWE, UFC, uh, Saudi and their, their soccer league now. Um, to me, it's, it's going down like this because of all the leagues, all the teams, all the individuals, the companies that continue to accept these outrageous uh, prices and contracts and deals because they're looking for funding and they're looking to stay afloat. Look. The Saudis, I think I told you guys this, last spring I went to University of Arkansas for the NCAA softball tournament my stepdaughter was playing. My wife and I were just walking around the University of Arkansas's campus, the center of campus, there's this big fountain. And it's like a meet, gathering place, I guess, for students, right? Students class was out when we were there. And it said the list of donors. The, uh, number one was like the uh, Republic of Oman, which is in the Middle East. Number two was some Saudi Arabian prince. And it hit me like everything's being paid for by these guys. Uh, no question about it. Look, you're going to pay all these salaries. Somebody's got to pay it. And there's only a certain amount of people that have enough money in this country. But them Saudis, they got a ton of money. And here's the other thing. We think we get over on people with words. Sports washing. Oh, my God, you're sports washing. You know what the Saudis said? I don't give a damn what you call it. I don't care what you call it. If our GDP can go up 1%, great. And then we're going to make it go 1.5%. You call it. We get so tied up in words and labels and worrying about the stupidest stuff 
All the while, here the Saudis are, yeah, you guys go ahead. You guys worry about the words. Oh, it's sports washing. Horrible. Hor- yeah, okay, you guys fight over the word, the verbiage. We're going to keep doing what we do. And, guys, I'm telling you, once I brought this up about the Arkansas uh, you know, middle of campus thing. Yep. I had so many people sending me different things from different places that were being that were funded or sponsored by Saudi Arabia on the donors thing. There were buildings. They're all they've been here a long time. And while we're worried about nonsense, they're saying, you guys worry about nonsense. We're gonna worry about increasing our wealth and we're gonna do it. And ain't nothing you can do about it. It ain't slowing down. Money talks, BS walks, and guess what? They got the oil. They got the money. Well said. Now I'm trying to figure out a way to get the Republic of Oman to pay into my 401k. Yeah. After hearing that, as one of the donors yeah, for that, can they uh, can they I, donate hey, look, to me now? I, next, can I uh, can I be the cause for the Republic of Oman to make this happen? Thirty hey, seconds, Dan. Do, do yourself a favor in the Withrow House. Try to build like a fountain and reach out to them. They look like they like fountains, man. I don't know. If you got something, reach out. I, I may misdirect the funds and say it's for a fountain. And the then, fun, you know, fountain. Build a new house or, or buy some new cars. But it's a, it's a great idea, Dan. Good research by you on Be that one. Be careful with that. Yeah, well, Be well. careful with that, big boy. Fountain washing. <laughs> Actual washing, not sports don't washing. Don't have me washing, with Dan washing Dockage, with uh, mornings here on the Outkick Thanks, Network. Dan. Dan, go hit them straight. See you guys. Yeah. Always great to have you on. Uh, Dan Dockich there. Uh, Coming up, Michael Fabiano. The latest sits and starts for your fantasy football team. That's next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. The very best fantasy football analysis here with us each and every week. Michael Fabiano joins us, SI's senior fantasy analyst. And you, you asked what, what proves that. The man went 12-3 and three in week one on his teams. Michael, uh, great to have you back on. Uh, your record in week two. Not as good. Okay. <laughs> Not as good. Um, I won nine games out of the 15. So um, I had I mean, some massive stinkers. Nick, Running back Nick Chubb. is going to be the death of all of us, I think, yeah. this season. With all the injuries, Nick Chubb going down on Monday night, other running backs not performing up to snuff like Najee Harris, uh, burning a lot of people. But still, 500 or better in all leagues after two weeks. And I did not face anyone who had Debo Samuel uh, on Thursday night. So that's, I guess, a good start yeah. to the week because Debo went off. Yeah, that was outstanding. Uh, so we'll get to the Fabs Five in, in just a moment for the starts and sits. But you mentioned running back, and there's probably uh, all, all of us are diving in, trying to get better at the running back spot on our fantasy leagues based on injuries, lack of production, better production by guys we weren't expecting. Buying low right now on the trade value, where do you start at running back, Michael? Has there been a bigger disappointment than Josh Jacobs? I mean, he led the NFL in rushing last year, and last week he had negative rushing yards. So Josh Jacobs is certainly someone that you can buy low on. Remember, you know, he had the the holdout. He started off slowly. Now's the time to go and get him. Brees Hall, same kind of thing, right? Mm. 
Dalvin Cook, if he's not washed, he's in the laundry basket. Okay. Brees Hall has been a better running back than Dalvin Cook. He didn't get any touches last week for the most part, just four, nine-tenths of a point. Go get him now. A wide receiver, and I I don't know that Jamar Chase's value has gone down significantly, but he's had two kind of ho-home games in a row. See if you can get him on the cheap. Uh, it never hurts to try. If you're not trading, you're not trying. Uh, Jerry Judy, who missed the first week last week, really didn't do much of anything. You could potentially get him uh, on a low price in terms of a trade. And then Dallas Goddard had a zero in week one. Last week was better, but still not producing great numbers and good tight ends are hard to find. Yeah, they're not really getting the football uh, there in, in Philadelphia. And it, uh, selling high right now on rosters, uh, Raheem Mostert, who has been on a tear in Miami. And he's a good play this week, too, against Denver. But how long can he keep this up? And remember, Jeff Wilson Jr. will be back at some point. And Raheem, I love him. Um, he's been on my show on SiriusXM. He's not durable. Uh, I'm hoping he continues to have a great season, but uh, I would I would sell high on him now. Same thing with Zach Moss, because at some point, Jonathan Taylor will come back. Now, whether or not he comes back to the Colts, I'm not sure. But he's not going to put up numbers every week like he did last week. Houston's run defense is terrible. Uh, Puka Nakua. Cooper Cup will be back right at some point, and his value is through the roof right now. I mean, this guy is having an historic start to his NFL career. Uh, I don't know that he can keep that up. Nico Collins has been great in Houston. You guys know that in terms of wide receiver points scored by a team, the Texans are second behind Miami. Hmm. Like, that's crazy. No one saw that coming. No. Nico Collins has been a big part of that. And then finally, George Kittle. He had a good game last night. And I kind of feel like when Brandon Ayuk comes back, this is going to be good one week, not good two weeks. He's going to be inconsistent. So if you picked up like a Zach Ertz off the waiver wire, for example, I think you could roll with Ertz as your tight end one for the rest of the year and try to get some value for George Kittle right now. I think that helps Chad uh, with Ertz, right? Yeah, it does. Well, and I, I threw the scenario at you yeah. last week, uh, Michael, about what to do with Dak Prescott or Jordan Love. And you were okay with starting Jordan Love. Happy to report that Jordan Love had 0.7 points higher, almost one <laughs> full was, point yeah. than Dak Prescott. So I did not Dak get was not as He was not as bad as I thought he was going to be. Um, no. That was a, not a great matchup on paper, but Love was still the right call. Yeah, I, I'm just happy that I didn't get completely destroyed by by starting my who I thought was going to be my backup. I will start Dak Prescott this week. I Good see call. Jared Goff mm. kind of in that range if you have two quarterbacks where maybe you're thinking about starting someone else week to week depending on the matchup. But, Michael, you like him as a starter this week, right? He's at home. Jared Goff is one of the top three quarterbacks in fantasy football in home games dating back to last week. Top three. Hmm. He's just – he's gold. He's gold, Jerry. He's gold at home. So I'm starting him against Atlanta. No question about that. Um, When you look at the numbers, multiple touchdown passes in all but one game dating back to last year at Ford Field. So you got to go with Goff. Uh, And at running back, who are you starting this week? Uh, uh, Kyron Williams. And you know, what's crazy is like, I have him in my article as a stardom. Nobody drafted this guy. And now people are like, Oh, that's, that's low hanging fruit. It's Kyron Williams, man. But I mean, like he's the second best running back in fantasy football right now. So you play him and he's getting the volume after, of course, the Rams traded K makers to the Vikings. I'm also going to start Isaiah Pacheco, keep tabs on his status, uh, this weekend, but it looks like he's going to be good to go against the bears who can't stop the run at all. The bears are just a dumpster fire right now. At wide receiver, I like Michael Pittman and Zay Flowers, but keep tabs on the weather. Yeah. Because there's that tropical cyclone thing going on on the East Coast. 
And if that thing messes up some of the games, and that would be one of them, Baltimore and Indianapolis, you may want to pivot. But right now, Michael Pittman and Zay Flowers are both very good plays. And it sounds like, just for, uh, uh, and I'm no meteorologist, I'm just reading this, it sounds like the New England-New York Jets game could be the most affected by the deluge right. uh, in that and, one, just to keep that in mind. But how, how much do you pay attention to that? Well, you have to. It depends. So I, I always used to talk to Kurt Warner when there was weather during the week, and he would always say, run when it rains, throw when it snows, right? So uh, it's not snowing anywhere yet. Yeah. And in the rain, if it's nasty out, well, you're going to lean on the run. And wind is also a big part of this too. Like it's a tropical cyclone. So my guess is that it's going to be windy. I'm not a meteorologist either. I'm just kind of guessing. Sounds bad. But, Definitely sounds bad. <laughs> but if uh, you got to factor in the kickers too, like Justin Tucker is one of the best kickers in fantasy. So is Tyler Bass. If it's going to be windy as heck there, you may want to pass on those guys and find alternatives just for this week. Maybe guys who are in domes like Greg Joseph or maybe Riley Patterson or Young Wei Koo. Uh, but you've got to factor that in to certain parts of your starting lineup. Uh, uh, before we get to the, the Sidhams and, and the Fabs Five and, and, and hand off to Chad on this, uh, my, going back to Michael Pittman, are you more confident in him with Minshew or does it matter because he was already putting up big numbers with Richardson? Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Um, and you may even think that it's better with Minshew because he's not going to tuck the ball and run nearly as much yeah. as Richardson's going to be, which means more passing. I mean, Minshew's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. You can make an argument that he's better than some of the starters right now. Uh, so I, I have no problem with that. I, I have a more of a problem with rain and wind mm -hmm. potentially affecting that game. And uh, Justin Fields, you talked about it. Uh, you know, dumpster fire is the right word yeah. to describe the Chicago Bears right now. I mean, if you own him on your team and he's your starting quarterback, that's a big mistake at this point, right? It stinks. And, hey, I'm right there, too. And I will say this, though. Like, if you have, say, Dak Prescott or if you have Tua Tungvaloa or you have Jared Goff, you can sit Fields this week. And the sit-ems this week are kind of like, start them and pray, right? Uh, other than just hard sits in traditional leagues, because a lot of people don't have better options. Uh, and we'll get into that. But Fields is playing against a tough Chiefs defense. They held Trevor Lawrence the next to nothing last week. They're not running design runs for Fields. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on with the Bears. But Fields is a risk right now, and that stinks because a lot of people drafted him highly. Uh, two running backs that most people will have to play this week, and I get it. James Conner and Jerome Ford. James Conner's got my beloved Dallas Cowboys this week. They have been very tough on running backs in the first couple of weeks and even dating back to last season. But he's going to get volume, so you kind of have to play him and cross your fingers he gets into the end zone. Same thing with Jerome Ford. How much money did you spend in your fab on getting this guy after Nick Chubb went down with that awful injury? Almost all of it, I'm guessing, which means you're probably going to play him. But the Titans' defense is wicked good against the run. Just look at the numbers for running backs in the last two weeks or lack thereof. Uh, at wide receiver, Christian Kirk had a really good game last week. And so you're probably going to want to play him, but he scored 6.2 combined points against Houston last year. And they're really good against slot receivers. So Kirk may take a step back. And then finally, new Hopkins. I've got to play him. You guys have him. You probably have to play him, but the Browns defense is really good. So this could be a low scoring game. Uh, Titans. And this is like one of those like 17 to 10 type of games, you know, 14 to 10. So I don't know that there's going to be a lot of points scored. And I have new Hopkins. I got to play them. I don't love it. And that's where we're at right now, especially at running back and tight end. 
You may have to play some guys you don't have a lot of confidence in. Maybe the matchup's not right. But especially a running back, it's volume over matchup. We need warm bodies. We need guys that are going to touch the ball, maybe just get into the end zone. So you mentioned the Browns' run defense, just like the Titans. They're, they're stout. They're elite. Uh, you're starting Henry regardless, right? I'm starting Henry against the 85 Bears at this point. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And, and same for Jamar Chase and Cincy without potentially Joe yeah. Burrow. Now, Burrow is – so I haven't gotten the practice report on him yet today. He was and, he was throwing. Know, that's all I know. He, he was seeing throwing Yeah, I know. Like the, you see, like, these videos, the guy's throwing or, hey, yeah. this guy's on the field or he's – okay, well, what is he doing? Like, is he, is he practicing or is he just yeah. standing there? I don't know. So with Burrow, if you're in a two-QB league, you probably have to pick up Jake Browning as insurance because you, you don't want to wait and then get screwed on Monday night when he doesn't play, if he doesn't play. But regardless, like if you're in a one quarterback league, like I said, same kind of thing with fields. If I've got Dak, if I've got Tua, if I've got Goff, Burrow's on my bench. He's too much of a risk. We've got some some viewer submissions here. Michael Fabiano, our our guest, uh, SI's fantasy football insider. Uh, Rashad White or Tyler Algier in Atlanta, which would you go with? Uh, White's taking on uh, Philly and uh, the Falcons have Detroit. I, I Algiers got the better matchup, but I'm playing volume here. And Rashad White was really good last week. He's playing the majority of the snaps. He's getting the majority of touches. He's got no competition in that backfield. Uh, So I'm going to go Rashad White. Jake Ferguson, who is in Arizona, or Hunter Henry against the Jets? This is a close one. I love Jake Ferguson because Arizona is dreadful against tight ends. I'm going to go Henry, though. Because Henry has been a big part of the passing game since Bill O'Brien took over as the offensive coordinator in New York and New England. And the Jets have given up a couple of touchdowns to tight ends already this season. Close call, though. I I want your thoughts on this as well. Uh, I have no idea when to uh, add a defense, when to let one go. I, I, I normally try to stick with the defense I drafted for the first couple of weeks. How do you play that? And how often are you rotating defenses? Typically, I'm rotating defenses every week. Now, if I, like I have the Cowboys in one of my leagues, I'm playing them every week. Although, Diggs getting hurt stinks. And as a Cowboys fan, I was really bummed about that. Yeah, so it's, but it's still, Cowboys, Niners, Browns, Yeah, Titans. like Cowboys, Niners, Eagles, not the Patriots, although the Patriots are a good play against Zach Wilson this week. Uh, Kansas City is a really good play this week against Justin Fields. The Jaguars are a good play. Heck, most defenses against a rookie quarterback are, are going to be, Seattle's a good play against Andy Dalton this week. Bryce Young's not going to play. So, I like to rotate defenses. There's there's like a handful that you don't rotate. I mean, I, like Buffalo, I'll rotate. But defenses are like hard to predict. You guys know that the Arizona Cardinals have been one of the highest scoring fantasy defenses in the first two <laughs> weeks, and their defense sucks. It's shocking. But they've been scoring touchdowns, and I ain't playing them against the Cowboys, that's for sure. But defenses are very difficult to predict. So unless you've got like one of the elite units, you could shuffle them every single week. I mean... That, that that's kind of the nature of that position. We've got a minute left. At what point do you consider playing CJ Stroud if you have him on your bench? He's been very good. Right. First week he was okay. Last week he was great. Lit it the up. good yeah. thing is that it, they're always behind. Yeah. So if you're looking at Vegas and you're looking at spreads and you're looking at maybe Houston being a a, a big dog, uh, especially on the road, and that's kind of the case this week against Jacksonville. I can see playing C.J. Stroud in a two-quarterback league every week in a traditional league. I don't know that I'm going there until the bye weeks. I, I, I mean, he's had one big game and one mediocre game, and we'll see what happens this week. I think you could probably do better, though. Like, I'd rather play Gardner Minshew this week, for example. There's a lot of quarterbacks I'd rather play over C.J. Stroud, 
but I definitely think he's worth a roster spot because I mean, he threw for more yards last week than any other Ohio State quarterback in the history of the NFL. Although I was thinking about that, and I'm like, well, has there been any really good Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL? Um, there, I, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, but regardless, yeah, if they're going to throw the ball like that, Nico Collins is putting up big numbers. Robert Woods is viable right now. Tank yep. Dell had a good game last week. So uh, certainly on the on the radar, but I don't know if I'm playing them just yet. The man has 21 combined wins uh, so far in fantasy football leagues. Michael Fabiano has been our guest. We love this. Hey, thanks for joining us again. We'll catch you up next week. Thanks, Michael. Have a good weekend, guys. Yeah, same to you. Outstanding uh, visit there. Uh, coming up, two coaches on the hottest seats as we go into week three of the NFL season. 